Welcome to the official podcast of The Next CMO hosted by Plana. The Next CMO is a thought leadership podcast for those that are CMOs or want to become one. My name is Kelsey Kraft and I am the Senior Marketing Manager and this is The Next CMO Podcast. We have the executive team here at Plana, Peter, Dan, and Scott, who just so happened to publish a book. Pretty cool guys, if I say so myself. The book is The Next CMO, A Guide to Operational Marketing Excellence. It offers a best practices approach for forming your goals, strategy, plan, and campaigns while optimizing budgetary spending and tracking the new marketing ROI. Collectively, they have experienced running marketing teams from startups through multi-billion dollar public companies teaching and mentoring generations of marketers, and now building a platform that codifies their thinking into a scalable SaaS platform. How you doing today, guys? Couldn't How be that better. That was excellent. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's dive in here. Why did you guys decide to write a book in the first place? It was Scott's fault. So this is Peter, for those of you who are following along. Uh, uh, and l let me just start and tee this up and say that, one, this has been an amazing project for us. And uh, Scott and I have been talking about this, this, these concepts that became this company now for years. So we, you've heard the, the, the saying before, I think you had a book in you. I think we've, we've had this book in us for, for a number of years. And what we found in starting to build plan of the company is that there, there was a real need out there as marketing has become more complex, more sophisticated, there's been a real need out there for people to add some, some more operational rigor to the way that the marketing function operates because it's just hard to manage these days. And, and we saw an opportunity to take our decades, many decades in some of our cases of experience and uh, write that down uh, so that we can share it with other people uh, and, and that was really the inspiration for the book. Did I get that right, Scott? Yeah, you nailed it, but thanks for calling us out for being old. Well, some of us older than others, but we, we, we won't tell too many tales. What do you want uh, readers to, you know, take away from reading this book, especially in the marketing field? So I, I have my views, and I'll, I'll ask Scott and Dan to, to weigh in too, because they, they take some slightly different perspectives on this, I think. Um, I have the right perspective and they have other ones. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there, there are a few things I, I think we're all aligned. In fact, most of the senior marketing execs that I speak to are pretty aligned around the concept that you should build your marketing plans based on a set of strategic goals or a OKRs, whatever you use, whatever terminology. Uh, and, and you should align your efforts toward that. Uh, and, uh, and, and, but the point is that that's not enough. Uh, beyond that, you need to make sure that you have a clear system, a framework, a plan, a process to actually make it happen. And, and the make it happen part is really about injecting the operational capability into marketing. And operations is this combination of this analytical approach you need to take, uh, sort of a scientific view of the world. You, you need to 
measure things. You need to, in an unbiased way, you need to assess what you see from these measurements and then make decisions based on data. And you also need to have your entire plan built on financial outcomes, because at the end of the day, you're going to be measured by some series of outcomes that can be distilled down to a set of financials. And if you're adding, contributing to the profitability of your company over time or improving its its growth or a combination of those things, you're going to have a successful career and your feel, your your function is going to work well. And 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 walking away with an understanding of, of the systems, the processes you need to do to make that happen so that you can actually achieve your goals is really the most important thing in, in my mind. What, what do you think, Scott? Yeah, I, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, because I think, well, first of all, I agree with everything you said, so this is not going to start out all that dynamic. But what I'll add is, is really the human element to this a little bit is that you have a situation where, you know, over time, marketing was pretty much art. Uh, nobody could really justify any of their spend. You know, you just knew that if you shut off the marketing, everything went kind of south. And so you had to keep doing it. But, um, you know, over time, it's really created a, a friction point between other executives and the head of marketing. And this is primarily why, you know, the head of marketing has the shortest lifespan of anybody in the C-suite. So, you know, in order to be able to... Hopefully you mean really career have- lifespan. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I, but, but yeah, Peter. Uh, so uh, yeah, well, maybe, maybe who knows? Maybe we should do some research and see if yeah, that, maybe they're not unrelated. Yeah, this this job may take its toll on you. It's maybe your lifespan too is greatly reduced. But um, but you know the the ultimate thing is that you know being able to validate uh, what you're doing that is is making a huge impact. Is, is really critical to the, the head of marketing because marketing is a very strategic position. Uh, and in many organizations, it's become much more tactical. And so one of the things that Peter, uh, when he came up with the idea around Plana, and as we started to build out the book here, it's really that it's trying to help, you know, leaders of marketing get that voice, understand their marketing at a very detailed level, build plans and be able to make their teams understand the goals they're trying to accomplish and work towards those goals, get those goals accomplished, be able to measure them so that they're, they're seeing the fruits of their labor and can validate that spend because it's a large discretionary spend. So I don't know if Dan, you, you may have some, a different viewpoint uh, on this, but uh, that's the way I see it from the top line. Yeah. I mean, what I like about the approach that we took in the book is that um I think we've we've tried to close the gap between there's a very broad agreement about what marketers and CMOs want. Um, they want to do goals-based marketing. They want to understand the ROI. And there's very broad-based agreement that most marketing organizations can't uh, actually get the outcomes that they want, a, a clear understanding of what have I spent and when, and am I spending it in the right places, and am I achieving my metrics, and am I achieving the right ROI? So um, what we're trying to do is give a very practical reference guide, um, kind of a, a cookbook, so you can go into the kind of any section of the book if there's a particular thing you need to do, and there's likely to be a chapter or a paragraph in there that says, yeah, when you have problem X, here's the solution. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point, Dan. And we 
deliberately called it a guide because we we meant for the the book to be hopefully consumed voraciously and quickly and uh, and have people be excited about it. But at the same time, we meant it to be useful as a reference for people to go back to. And and it's funny, we, we all took different roles. And, uh, you know, for for uh, those listeners who may not know us personally, hi, hi people, mm-hmm. uh, the we should just explain that this is Peter and I'm, I'm, I'm the CEO in, uh, of, of Plana. Uh, Scott is the CMO of Plana. And Scott and I both spent many years as, uh, as chief marketing officers uh, for companies of different sizes. And Dan, uh, the guy with a fancy British accent, is our CTO. Uh, and so we all take a slightly different view at, uh, at, at the content. And I, I think it's actually been, been really helpful for us to look at it. Dan tends to take, it, take a look at a very data-driven, uh, you know, analytical, mathematical kind of approach to things, as an example. Um, so we all took a slightly different view uh, in into the content, and uh, and and hopefully you'll find that it, it'd be interesting to see if people recognize who wrote each chapter, uh, because we each uh, we split up the chapters, we each contributed some things. Maybe we'll have a contest after the fact to see if someone can do like a map a chapter to the uh, to the to the planet executive. One thing that you mentioned too, obviously, it's a guide, but it has examples. Uh, it has you know, templates, it has ways to really set up your campaigns, your strategy so that you can uh, put this into real time work. Um, and that's something that I love about the book. So you mentioned, obviously, you, I know you guys are all uh, the executive team of Plana. Do you have to be a Plana user to take advantage of this book? So you no, you don't have to be. In fact, uh, w- one of the things that we did on purpose was uh, we only use the word Plana in the bios of the authors. It's literally nowhere else in, in the book. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, our philosophy and, and our, our approach, we, which we think is you know, a, a well-grounded, well-researched approach to uh, strong operational marketing disciplines, is, uh, is deeply ingrained in, in the book and deeply ingrained, of course, as we build the product. So if you want to execute marketing and, and have great results, then, then a planner can help you do that. But you can also use sticky notes and PowerPoint decks and whatever you want. The, the point is that it, it's about the, the framework, the approach, the methodologies that are really independent of technology. Uh, although we, we, we did a, a podcast with the head of marketing for Drift the other day, and she had a great Thing. She said, so you're either a Planet customer or a future Planet customer anyway. So, you know, it, it, it all depends on the time, uh, I guess. But no, you don't need to, you don't need to be a, a Planet customer to take advantage of the content in the book. You brought up operational marketing um, and operational marketing excellence is part of the title of the book. It's a little bit of a mouthful, I must say, but why is there such a disarray and a need of revamping the term operational marketing? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, marketers tend to get very tactical. And uh, there are a lot of things that funnel into being able to execute a marketing plan well, right? So, I mean, there's, there's the planning stage in it. It's tying the strategies to it. It's tying your goals in to, uh, you know, with those strategies. And those are the things that 
if you've done right up front, will guide you all the way through the tactical execution. And I think we've seen with far too many marketing organizations, and we've all been part of them before, where people just doing random acts of marketing, right? They they get there's a problem, there's no leads in Toledo, and the next thing you know, uh, you know, we're whipping up campaigns. Um, you know, these are like emails we're sending out. There's no target audience we're going after. There's no thought to what we're ultimately trying to achieve as a marketing organization and those corporate goals that we set. And so, you know, operational marketing is a discipline. It's a discipline and a commitment to achieving a set of goals at the beginning and then working through the operations to make sure that you have visibility to everything that's going on uh, through your campaigns and then being able to measure them, right? And that's really important because you can keep doing stuff and it's not working and you say, well, we need to do more stuff. And uh, there's, there's just way too many marketing organizations out there. And I, I know Peter and Dan, you guys probably can comment more because you know, we, we talk to a lot of companies the, you know, these days that are just struggling with this. They just, we want to do more. We just don't know how to do it. And we're in the flow and we're getting beaten up for get, not having enough leads. And so we jump to whatever that need is. And that's just not going to help you achieve what you really are setting out to do. Yeah, I, th- I think, Scott, the, the, the point that we wanted to make with the operational side is, is related to the fact that I, I think the future of senior marketing executives will be, that, that future talent pool will be fueled with people who have real broad general management kind of experience. And that's one of the things that, D- Dan, we make fun of for being the technical guy, uh, but but Dan actually has uh, an MBA in marketing, uh, and he doesn't like to tell people uh, because that, that takes away his credibility with that his- That was my CTO cred. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and he also spent, uh, as I did, uh, several and many years, uh, in, in my case, because I'm old, uh, as as a general manager responsible for you know the full P and L of, of businesses and, uh, and and when you take that approach and I think I think uh, more and more CMOS are going to be responsible for the the business outcomes uh, and have to take that that kind of general management approach to to the marketing problem and and I suspect Dan you've seen that too in your world hundred percent and to me it's the Um, operational marketing is the skill of um, converting your goals and your strategy into the outcomes at the end of the plan. It's the bridge from, from what you hope is going to happen to what actually happens. And it's, it's a system. It's a full system um, that requires a combination of skills. You've got to have the execution of the campaigns. You've got to have some financial acumen. You've got to have, uh, some data analytical skills, and it just all needs to be drawn together into a, a coherent model. And I think the um, analogy with general management is is right on because if you're the general manager of a business, um, you have an overall budget, you have an overall strategy, you have an overall set of outcomes, and you've got to apply the capital at your disposal in the most effective way to achieve those outcomes. That's exactly what you should be doing as uh, an operational marketing leader. Love it. Um, yeah, I think each each chapter of the book adds value to every part of what a marketer is. I mean, as a marketer, you have to have some some understanding of a financial background, 
Um, I know you, you've talked about that in your chapter. Um, you have to talk about, you know, the strategy and the goals, but you also have to be extremely tactical as the marketer. Can't really just focus on one aspect. Um, how did you guys, you know, start the process of writing the book and actually uh, dividing up these chapters? Because I know you did mention that. Scott, you should walk through this because this yeah. isn't your first rodeo either. We, uh, we did what Scott told us. We, exactly. <laughs> the, our approach was listen to Scott and do whatever he says. So uh, you, you might want to expand on that a bit, Scott. Yeah, I don't think there's anything revolutionary to what we did. We created an outline, right? Um, we started with what we wanted to accomplish as with the book. With a goal, just like you would with any marketing activity you're going to be doing. We started with that goal. We started with a target audience that we wanted to, um, you know, to write to and really try to meet what their needs are. We listed out what we thought the key pain points were. Uh, and then we started to put down, you know, what we thought the future of, of marketing was going to look like based on our experience. And so, you know, once we were able to start to pull in all of the inputs that we had, we created the outline, uh, and then uh, we divided up the chapters and we went at it. It's really that simple. So, uh, of course, writing the book wasn't exactly as simple because it's uh, long. Well, the, 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 the advantage that we had, uh, and because it actually didn't take as long as I expected, and, and some of that is that uh, one, Scott and I have been working on a lot of these concepts for many years. Dan has been codifying these concepts into product and in, in extending our thinking. So it's not like we had to come up with new stuff. We, we had to organize and make it coherent uh, and, uh, and, and get it there. In fact, we, we should probably do a whole other, a whole other podcast on, on how to create a book because it really is a fascinating marketing program. You know, it is a thought leadership content uh, program and, it, and, and it's very effective, of course, because if you write genuinely, genuinely uh, thoughtful, well-researched content that is interesting to your target audience, then I, I think you're going to get people to engage with your content, which is what we want to do at the end of the day. Absolutely. Um, there's a big focus on, you know, finance of this book. And I know I just brought that up a little bit of that chapter, you know, ROI budgets. Um, what is the difference between, you know, the ROI and cost per outcome? So, um, <clears throat> The, the cost per outcome uh, is uh, essentially, if you define a metric like uh, I want a lead and I'm investing a certain amount of money um, to get 100 leads, then the cost per outcome is 1% of your budget. That's your target cost per outcome. And then your actual cost per outcome is 1% if you get to 100 leads of everything you really spent. So if you spent 100% of your budget, it will match the target. And if you didn't, it will be above it or below it. So your cost per outcome is a good indicator of, first of all, did your targeted investment yield the expected outcome and did it yield it at the expected investment level? Um, the R cost per outcome becomes ROI when the marketing team can actually specify a value per outcome. Um, if you can't specify a value per outcome, then you're, you can only talk in terms of the abstract notion of the metric. So for example, I could say, I have a lead. Fine, I can tell you how much you've invested to generate that lead. 
But if I can say I have a lead and on average that lead is worth a hundred bucks. And I know that because when I have 10 leads, I typically get one $1,000 deal out of it. Now I've got a financial value that I can multiply out across my metrics. And as soon as I have a financial representation of the return, I already have the investment so I can calculate a true ROI. Yeah, I, th I think it's a really important discipline to have a broad organizational understanding of what a target cost per outcome is for all the kinds of outcomes that matter for you and your company. And it's, it's something that typically you find the senior people in an organization would understand. And in metric-driven, focused companies, people do. I mean, Kelsey tells me every day, uh, are we above or below the waterline in, in our uh, cost per lead in some of our top of the funnel activities? Because she's very focused on it because that's what we talk about all the time. And I think having a discipline for defining what good is in the context of your business is incredibly important as, as a marketing executive. And, and I think it's also really important to understand that there are different kinds of value measurements that we talked about here that are important to understand and to differentiate. So cost per outcome, I think, is, is, a, is a good indicator to say, am I generally on track for what I'm expecting to spend? And I've got in my mind, in a cost per outcome, what the ultimate outcome is, uh, and meaning revenue and ultimately margin contribution. And, uh, and that is how I'm going to derive ultimately an ROI, but a cost per outcome is a leading indicator to say that, assuming this is going to convert at the rate that I expect things to do, I, my target cost per outcome is kind of relevant. The other thing that I think is discussed a lot these days, especially in SaaS companies, uh, is, is CAC. And, and I heard someone the other day uh, mention, they said that, well, I, I actually don't talk about, uh, about cost per outcome, cost per lead. We really focus on CAC. And, and CAC, is a really, CAC is your customer acquisition cost. It's a really important metric to understand for, for your company. But of course, customer acquisition costs includes not only the programmatic marketing, marketing spend, it also includes the labor, so the people in your organization and all the related overhead, but also the selling cost that's required to acquire a new customer. So it's critically important to understand at what an appropriate customer acquisition cost is, but some of those things are beyond the control of a marketing organization. So you need to take the piece of that that is most relevant for you. And obviously you shouldn't be spending more than 100% of your CAC target on acquiring a customer. Uh, so understanding the context is important, but also understanding the difference between uh, what is a cost per an opportunity, how should that relate to your cost for customer acquisition, and how should those things factor into the measurement of your return on investment. Uh, because all, all of those things are slightly different measures, important to understand, to get a true sense of the effectiveness of your marketing plan and investment. Absolutely. I, I think that's true, but it's also true, Peter, that CAC is an outcome. Yes. Customer acquisition is the outcome. Um, it's just you're incorporating more than your, just your marketing program spend. 
Um, so understanding the the flow of your marketing investments into the CAC is, as you said, really important to understand. Absolutely. A really valid metric is, uh, is to say my marketing cost to acquire a customer is $1,000. And, and that would be something that is a critically under, important thing to understand. But don't confuse it with the SaaS metric that people look at of customer acquisition cost because that is much more inclusive. It, it takes in, into account additional components that are important to understand basically the, uh, the over, overall uh, likelihood of profitability of your business over time. So for the ROI chapter in particular, um, I wanted to talk about this because marketers are constantly trying to tie you know, any sort of their tactical efforts or campaigns back to the marketing ROI to really understand, you know, we have these measures now, the cost per outcome, cost per lead, but what exactly is the revenue that marketing is generating for the business? And I know this chapter in particular, we talk about, you know, the meaningful metrics. And then in uh, one of the other chapters, we talk about you know, qualitative and qualitative, quantitative goals. So how does this all really tie together? So maybe I'll, I can start out with um, uh, speaking to the um, true ROI, um, uh, meaningful metrics topic. And then, and then, you know, we should open it up because this is, it's uh, hugely important. It's kind of the the, it's the end point of your operational marketing process is what was the return I got for my investment. Um, um, the notion of a, a meaningful metric is one that really reflects business value. It's very, very easy to get trapped into measuring what you can because it's easy to measure uh, versus measuring what's really important to your business. And so um, I um, have written about did we do it metrics, which have, which feel really good. Published the blog, um, recorded the podcast. Um, it's like, okay, great. Why? Uh, and, and Peter often, um, will sort of ask the question to what end? And you, you ask that recursively enough and you should end up with a financial outcome. The financial outcome is the meaningful metric. I'm, doing thought leadership pieces to make people aware of us so that they might come into the top of our funnel and then we'll nurture them through the funnel and, 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 so that they may become a customer. Um, that's the end. And then if you can work your way back from that, you can start to apply financial estimates about what is the average one of these outcomes worth in my marketing funnel. And then you can figure out how much should I therefore be investing to fill the various stages of the funnel. Um, and so that's really what that chapter is, is all about, is saying really try and have a discipline up front about identifying the metrics that you can measure that will play into good financial outcomes for your business that really enable you to calculate ROI. Once you've done that, um, you've got a system that's going to reflect real value and really try and avoid the stuff that's easy, but doesn't really speak to, to true business value. And, and Dan, I think there are a couple important concepts that we should bring up here that are necessary to understand when you're trying to measure this kind of performance. Because ultimately, every marketing leader wants to be able to measure 
not only the return on investment for their campaigns, but also their entire marketing organization, right? Am I delivering value that is incremental to the investment that you're putting into me as an organization? That's what you should be focused on. There are a couple of things that are really critical to understand when you're doing that. One is that you need to measure ROI at the right level because it's a fool's errand to try to, to calculate the ROI of an individual podcast, as an example. Now, that podcast is a tactic that might be part of a broader thematic set of uh, programs that are part of a broad campaign. And that campaign is probably the right thing to look at as the, the uh, collection of activities in the, that, are, that are in service of a strategic objective and an outcome that you can measure. Now, what, what makes it tricky to do, and the reason why people are often measuring at the wrong level, is that it's very difficult to measure in most organizations what the true costs are for a campaign. And because there's no financial system, there's no, there's no system of record for campaign cost, and it ends up being a very manual process. So that's, that's one of the things that we try to focus on is, is make it possible to really accurately measure what the true cost is for, for a campaign not only the media spend that may feel obvious, but also any other related things. I buy professional services for an agency. I have production costs. I have lots of other related costs that I need to factor into the total cost of my campaign. In being able to attribute all as much of those costs as possible to, uh, to a campaign is necessary to have a really accurate view of the return on investment. So I think those, those are important factors to understand when you talk about ROI. Yeah, and, and just as far as the, you know, the goals, when you're starting to set those goals so you can do the accurate measurement downstream, you know, I, I think that marketers overcomplicate uh, a lot of the measurement and the goals associated with the, the work that they're doing. Uh, the ultimate thing is that there, there are three primary goals that you're going to be doing at the beginning of the year. You're going to be doing something to drive sales, and this is your lead generation, your opportunities, your revenue. Um, you're going to be doing something to create awareness, right? So it'll be your PR activities. It'll be some like a podcast or something along those lines, your social activities. And you'll be doing something to drive perception, and those are your branding activities. And so, you know, when you start with those fundamental three primary core goals that you're looking to accomplish every year, that's when you can start to start segment them out. And that's when you can start to create strategies that map directly to those goals. And then your campaigns to leverage those strategies to achieve those goals. And downstream as, as Peter talked about and Dan did, that's when the metrics start to funnel in. You can start to get and get accuracy on exactly where your spend went and how it actually dovetails into those activities you're doing. And, you know, over time, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we've, we've been trying to think about is, you know, how do we assign, since the measurement is always dollars, how do you assign a dollar value to a branding change? You know, what is that metric? How can we look at that and say, well, if we make these changes to our brand, we clean it up, we create the perception, we change some of the language, we reposition. What does that actually mean in dollar value for what we spend to what we're going to get on the other side of it? And that's kind of that holy grail when you can look at everything you're doing in marketing and assign a dollar value to it 
and really see what it's, what it's going to do to impact your overarching revenue. And, and the trick is just measuring at the right level. And, and by the way, it may sound like Scott is jumping on a pogo stick while he's talking in, in, in a true virtual pandemic kind of world recording. Uh, he's recording from his basement or something while they're using a nail gun upstairs. Um, hopefully for not, uh, you know, some ill pursuit, but we don't think so. So, so yes, uh, it, in understanding that, and in fact, one of the concepts that we talk about a lot is uh, that tries to incorporate a lot of the high-level kinds of activities is what we we affectionately call ROMP, the return on your entire marketing plan, and 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 that's a really good way to to think about it is what what is the the sum of all the investments and the sum of all of the outcomes. And how do those things relate? And, and that's, a, that's at the highest level a really good way to look at some of those broader initiatives. But you also have to, to Scott's point about making a branding change, ask the question that Dan brought up a couple of minutes ago, to what end? You're going to make a branding change. Why? You're going to do that because maybe you want to, people to think differently about your brand. Why? Uh, because they want to, you want to attract a different audience uh, who you may be reaching today, and you want to increase the effectiveness of your marketing by making people understand that you're a, a different kind of or more valuable or, or, or more interesting kind of company, et cetera. So th- those are the those are the questions that you need to continue to ask to to sort out why you're making those kinds of investments. And uh, there's an interesting um, side effect, beneficial side effect that comes from doing that, from asking that to what end question about something that can initially feel a bit ethereal, like the rebranding question, is it really highlights that the time frame of your marketing investments doesn't have to line up with the time frame of your fiscal year. Um, so you, you should, if you go through that process, well, still be able to say, Hey, I'm doing this rebranding now. It's really going to bring us financial investments, you know, in the next fiscal year, but I've really asked myself to what end, to what end, to what end. And here's why there's a good financial case to make that investment now. Um, and if you don't do that, if, if you can't do that, um, it's those long-term um, projects, that, those very, very top-of-the-tunnel projects that to people outside of marketing who maybe have a say in how much budget you get starts to feel fuzzy and starts to feel like something that maybe we don't need to do this year. Yeah, and Dan, you do a really good job covering that in, in, in part of the book in one of the chapters that you wrote, uh, uh, covering that idea that there, there's a lag that goes sometimes beyond your short-term planning horizon between investment and benefit. And, and it's one of the things that's really important to keep in mind as a, for, for marketing in general, where marketing needs to take a strategic time frame in mind when they're building their plans, because some things take a long time to, to, to build. We were just talking about our SEO investments the other day, as an example. You can make an, an SEO investment, and it, it might take 9, 12, 18, 24 months for it to really take off and accumulate benefit. So understanding that there's a long lag, or if you're dealing with a complex product that has a lengthy sales cycle, 
getting something into the pipeline and filling the top of the pipeline where you may have a 24, 36 month for a giant thing sales cycle, it's really important work to do. And if you don't have the discipline and the diagnostic in mind, and we talk about the end-to-end marketing system as a piece of that, you know, are you fully servicing each piece of the system in your marketing plan? And that's one of the things that's, that's important to, uh, to take into consideration as you're, as you're building out a plan. I think we have time for uh, one last question here, guys. Peter knows that this is my favorite question of all time, and I would like each of you to kind of give your input. But what advice would you give to marketers or, you know, those marketers that want to become CMOs um, someday, besides obviously read the book? What, what advice would you give them? Go ahead, Scott. Well, you know, I, I think... Well, it depends on where you're coming from, but I, I would say the you know the primary primary advice I would give uh, somebody that was a director level person today um, is make sure that you learn as many different disciplines in marketing as you possibly can. Um, I think the, if you try to do the job just knowing one discipline, you'll find yourself weak in a lot of the other areas. So if you're a product marketing person. It would be great to do some lead gen. You may want to get in some partner marketing. You definitely want to get into some digital marketing to fully understand um, the new direction for marketing. You definitely want to do some operations work to fully understand measurements and, and things along those lines. And once you get a cross-section of those different disciplines, you'll be ready to, to make that next meet because you'll understand how everything works together. Now, I would also recommend that you go and dabble in sales and you dabble a little bit in product. Um, so you understand you know, how the products, products are being built and brought to market. Um, and then also for, on the sales side, that's your customer, you know, really understand what their needs are and, and feel their pain day in and day out. I can promise you it'll make you a much better marketer. Uh, Peter should obviously bring us home here. So I'll jump in second. Um, also, I'm trying to give him a very short list of things to talk about. <laughs> um, so I, in addition to everything that Scott just said, um, I would say uh, it, it's really important to get a baseline um, uh, kind of level of comfort and acumen in finance. And understand what I mean by that is not just I'm good with numbers. I mean, understand what your finance team does with your budget, how they actually account for things. Um, get to know the people who do it. Um, so you actually have a relationship with them. That's gonna make your life tremendously easier. Um, the other thing that I would say, if you want to be a CMO, is get an appreciation for the importance of culture and leadership. Um, and you know that, that's gonna start with culture. Um, but you really have to be proactive about establishing a team culture. Um, and you will know intuitively from people who you've worked with in your career, who's good at it and who's not. Um, and it's worth going and, and trying, you know, spending some time with those people, um, not, not just observing them, but spend some time with them to understand what it is that they try and do to engender a, a successful team. Yep. Great, great points, Dan. I, I think the only thing that I'll add to those suggestions is to tell the truth. So I'm, I'm a big believer in this. Uh, and marketing people are, are often 
in this position where they feel like they have to spin. And when it comes to being an operational leader, if you're running the function, the most important thing that you do is clearly and effectively communicate the honest outcomes, even if they're bad, because you learn things from bad results. And the best leaders understand when something doesn't work. And instead of saying, eh, it worked okay, or it was pretty good, or look over there, don't focus on this thing, they say, hey, I did eight things. Six of them worked really well. These two didn't. This is why, and this is what we're going to change, or we're just not going to do them again. And, and having that discipline and having the confidence to be able to tell that truth is, I think, essential to, to be a, a, an executive in, in marketing or an executive in general in any company. Scientists, not promoters, right? <laughs> well, uh, thanks so much, you know, Peter, Den, and Scott. It was so great. Hey, how do we get the book if we're interested in it? Kelsey? On the podcast. Yes, definitely. I highly suggest everyone listening to the podcast reads this book. You can find the book on the website at plana.com or in the show notes below. Make sure to follow the next CMO and Plana on. How much Twitter does it cost, then. Kelsey? And if you have any ideas for topics or guests, you can email them to the next CMO at plana.com. Have a great day, everyone.